Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit and we're at part four. And this series has been dovetailed and coupled nicely, I believe, with the series that we did in the morning called Solution, Finding Solutions for the Soul. You see, I believe that we are a three-part being, just as God is a three-part God. He is God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we are triune beings. We are body, soul, and spirit. But more accurately, we are a spirit that owns a soul that lives in a body. Our soul is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. And we are a spirit. The spirit is the part of us that will live on forever. And we own a soul. We own our will. We own our mind. We own our emotions. And we are not to be dictated to by those things. They are a gift from God for us to use for the good and not allow those things to dictate and derail us from the plans and the purposes of God. And so I believe with all my heart that God speaks to our spirit by His Spirit. And so it's through the Holy Spirit that He speaks to our spirit and our spirit gets bigger and larger. And as a result of our spirit getting bigger and larger, we bring the leadership to our mind, our will and our emotions and our body and we put those things in their rightful place. Because we know that we all have feelings and some of those feelings aren't good feelings. They're feelings that are gonna derail us. Like Ashley eating the donut this morning. And there are thoughts that we have that aren't always good thoughts. And if we are led by our thoughts, if we are led by our feelings, if we are led by every whim and what we want to do, we will never achieve the plans and the purposes of God. And so God, the greatest gift He's given us is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that wants to speak to our spirit and build our inner man up, our spirit man, the inner man of our heart. He wants to build that up so that we can lead our emotions. And so our spirit can say, steady lads, steady. I know you want to run right now, but steady lads, steady. I know you want to give up and give in right now, but steady lads, steady. So when your mind, your will and your emotions and your body's going crazy, your spirit man says, steady lads, don't run, don't give up. Don't give in. Hold your line. Steady. Steady, South Africans. Steady, lads. And I believe that's why this series tonight, coupled with our series in the morning, is so essential to us living the victorious Christian life. See, if we want to have victory in life, we better grow our spirit man in order to lead our soul and our bodies. Because our bodies and our soul are not always going to want to do what God wants us to do. And so this is such an important subject tonight. And so we've been looking at the importance of 
the Holy Spirit. And if we can have on the screen Galatians chapter 5 from memory, it says in verse 16, So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if they are led by the Spirit, steady lads, they're led by the Spirit. You are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. They are sexual, immor- uh, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the Kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Isn't that awesome? And this truth is not there just to tease us. It's not there to taunt us. It's there to empower us. It's highlighting where our victory is found. And it's, in, it's found as we keep step with the Spirit of God. And so over the last three weeks, we've been looking at a few things about the Holy Spirit. And the first week was we looked at the theology of the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not a power. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's the third person of the Godhead. He's the part of God that lives with us. God the Father is in heaven. God the Son, Jesus, is at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And Jesus has left us the Holy Spirit to help us overcome every circumstance and situation that we ever face in life today. That was week one. Week two, we looked at the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us, He comforts us, He guides us, and He convicts us. See, guilt is God's mechanism to get our attention. When we do a bad thing and feel bad about it, that's good. But when we feel good about doing a bad thing, that's bad. And so guilt is a good thing, and guilt is different than shame. Guilt is God getting our attention and say, hey, you've done the wrong thing. And He wants to get our attention so that we repent. Because when we repent, we get forgiveness. And when we get forgiveness, we get a second chance and we get to go on with life again, free from condemnation. But shame is what the soul dictates and tells you that you are. Guilt says you've made a mistake. Shame says you are a mistake. That's your soul saying, oh, I'm useless, I'm no good, I might as well end my life. And it's those thoughts that we want to take captive of and bring them under the Lordship of our spirit, which is under the Lordship of His spirit. And we live victorious Christian lives. And so when we've done the wrong thing, we say, Father, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? He says, sure. Come on. Let's get on with life. But I feel like a failure. Hey, hey. Soul, steady lads. You are not your mistakes. You are not your sin. You are not what people say you are. You are a child of the living God. Steady. Steady, hold your line. Don't go by the way you feel. Don't listen to those negative self-talk. Don't listen to that doubt. Steady. Steady, hold your line. And it's our spirit that reminds our soul. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. Some of you were told from an early age that you were an accident. You were unplanned. You may have been unplanned by your parents, but you were not unplanned when it came to the things of God. 
You're a child of God. You are precious. You are known by God. You are loved by God. No mistakes. No accidents. And I believe that God wants to have His way in our lives. And the way He speaks to us is by His Spirit to our spirit. And then it's our spirit that speaks to our soul, which is our mind, our will and our emotions and our body. And last week we looked at the fruit of the Holy Spirit because the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility and self-control. We had a whole heap of fun with fruit last week. And we learned a few things about fruit. That fruit is for nourishment. It's not just for looking at. I don't know about you, but there's something really disappointing when you walk into someone's house and you see a piece of fruit. And you weren't thinking, I want some fruit until you saw that fruit. But when you saw that fruit, that red, delicious apple, you thought, oh, I wouldn't mind a piece of fruit. And so you uh, go to help yourself, because that's what we do in Australia, we just help ourselves. And, and you find, hang on, it's lighter than a normal apple. And then you, you smell it and it doesn't smell like a normal apple. Then you tap it and it doesn't sound like a normal apple. And the flipping thing's plastic. I hate that. I hate that. Fake fruit. And what we don't want in church is fake fruit. We don't want fake love. Love you, idiot. We don't want fake fruit. Fake. We don't want that. We want the real deal. We want fruit that nourishes our soul and can nourish the soul of others. So when you take a big bite, it's just flipping awesome. Who wants to buy this apple? You can, you can do it. It's quite pass it around. Bit of communion. I got, I got a sticker. I got a sticker. Another piece of fake fruit. I don't know why it's in there. You can have the fake fruit. Love you, jerk. No. <laughs> Hang on, I'm making a mess up here. It's like a 30 second rule. No problem. Minute, half an hour. Hey, mate, when I was a kid, like I said last week, we ate sour sobs which disgusted my mum. And she tried to put us off by saying, the dog weed on that. I said, great, awesome. So a little piece of apple on a clean stage like this, no problem. So you need to get last week's message. That's all I'm saying. Ah, but I have learnt my lesson because last week when I took a bite of the fruit, it was a banana, which is kind of gluggy, didn't go down very well, but the apple... Works. So if you're ever thinking, Kevin, of preaching this message and use the apple, don't go the banana. It's just and take the sticker off the apple. That's what I was I would suggest. And so concluding our series, we're going to be looking tonight at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Everyone say gifts. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so to deal, uh, what we want to do is just deal with the ignorance around spiritual gifts. Because let's be honest, there are neglect and abuse when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
And uh, maybe you're here tonight as one of those who's experienced the abuses of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And maybe you've gone into a sweat and thinking, I, I, I don't want any more of that weird stuff. And, and I want you to know you're in good company because nor do we. But remember, the absence of abuse is not no use, it's correct use. And so hopefully through this series, we will have correct use of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that we won't be put off because of all the extremes that are out there and just say to heck with all of it, but that we can learn our lessons from the weird, but also not throw the baby out the bathwater so that we can get a win-win. Are you with me? And so for the sake of time, let's get straight into a scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I want to read the first 11 verses. Verse 1, it says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers. I'm going to add sisters because we have some ladies amongst us today. I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, unbelievers, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except through the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit, the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. And to another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines, not us. And so things about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we're going to look at a few this, uh, this evening, and then we're going to be finished and we're going to worship together. How does that sound? The first thing is this, when it comes to the gifts, we need to understand that all gifts, it was say all gifts, all gifts come from God. That is true of the natural gifts and the spiritual gifts. All gifts come from God. All of us have some gifts. All of us have some natural gifts. In Romans 12, it talks about the gift of administration, of which my wife has. She's like an administration monster. And other times she's just a monster. There's a gift of leadership. Not everyone is able to lead like another. It's a gift. It's a natural gift. The gift of hospitality. Mick and Katie Roberts are Mr. and Mrs. Hospitality. Every one of us should be hospitable, but there are some who just ooze hospitality. And Mr. and Mrs. Roberts ooze hospitality. They always have people around. And uh, it was with great intent on my part in choosing Mick and Katie to be key people when it come, came to starting our new campus down Semaphore. And already we are seeing their hospitality gift come to the fore. Every one of us should be hospitable, but let's be honest, there are some who just ooze hospitality. The gift of generosity is another gift. There are gifts like painting. There are gifts like Sign writing. <laughs> I didn't qualify for any of those. I just, I just put my own in there. 
There are the gifts of the arts, the gifts of academics. There are different natural gifts and bents that we all have. Are you with me? There are some gifts, if we're honest, it never ceases to amaze me. We always want to have the gift that we don't have. Have you noticed that? I was honestly, I, I had to pray when I was listening to Beck because I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I wish I had her gift. I wish I, I, wish I, I wish I could sing. I wish I could play the guitar. And, and I thought, no, I'm just going to start. I'm just going to enjoy the gift that she is to us. And you are a gift, girlfriend. You really are. Let's put our hands together for Beck. You see someone who's got that natural gift and it just flows. Someone else can work hard and learn and they can have a measure of success, but it's not quite the same as someone who is naturally gifted. And to that I would say, you know, our job in life, particularly as parents, is to help our children find their natural bent. The Bible says, teach a child in the way that they should go. And it really is implying that every child has a natural bend. And it's not our job as parents to straighten them out. Our job is to recognise the bend and, 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 and point them in that direction. And so if your child is creative and, and arty-farty, like a lot of kids are, you know, it probably wouldn't be the best choice to send them to law school just because you want them to be a lawyer. I, I would say find their natural bend and, 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 and send them down that path. And, and, and that's been the greatest joy and honour for us as natural parents, watching the natural giftings in our kids and saying, hey, you know what? I, I think these kind of vocations would really suit you based upon your natural gifts because those natural gifts come from God. All gifts come from God, the natural ones and the spiritual ones. The gifts of the Holy Spirit come from God. And there are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit that are mentioned in Scripture that I've just read. And they can be broken up into three categories. Firstly, the inspiration gifts, prophecy, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. Prophecy is the foretelling of God's intentions regarding certain matters. It's like we read in Acts chapter 21 when Agabus, a prophet, comes to Paul and talks about the man who owns this belt. And he, like prophets can be a little bit weird at times, but uh, he took the belt off Paul and he tied his own hands. He says, the man who owns this belt shall be tied as I am if he goes back to Jerusalem. And Paul does not deny the, the accuracy of the prophetic word. He was just prepared to be bound. And so he says, you're breaking my heart. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just letting you know that I'm prepared to be bound. I've got to go back to Jerusalem. It's, it's, a, it's a supernatural gift, as is tongues and the interpretation of tongues. I don't want to make a big, long discourse about tongues, but uh, I, I personally believe that tongues is the initial evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because every time the baptism in the Holy Spirit was poured out in Scripture, there was evidence. And that evidence is always tongues. There was always something that was seen that was immediate. But again, I'm not here to uh, twist your arm. I'm not here to persuade you. I'm here simply to say that this gift of tongues is a gift from God that can help us. Let me say it this way. Have any of you wanted to pray but not quite known how to pray? I'm so overwhelmed. I know I should be praying, but I don't know how to pray. Well, this is a gift to us. When you don't know what you ought to pray, God gives us the gift of speaking in another language. It's a language that bypasses our soul and is direct heavenly language. So when we don't know what to pray, we're overwhelmed with our thoughts, we're overwhelmed with our feelings. God gives us this gift and it's a gift called tongues, which is a supernatural language in which we can communicate with God direct and it bypasses our soul. And if I said to you, who wants that? Who wants that? Maybe we just be just a little bit more open. And that's what I'm trusting tonight. 
that we'd put our theologies aside, that we'd put our preconceived ideas aside, we'd put our preferences aside, we'd put our past hurts aside, we'd put all the weird experiences we had aside and say, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm open to the fact that God might want to give me something that's going to help me in life. Are you with me today? Secondly, there are the revelation gifts, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. The word of wisdom is God's supernatural wisdom that we saw in the young man Solomon. His father David died, and Solomon was left as ruler and king over Israel at that time. And he knew he did not have the wisdom to rule, and he prayed to God for a supernatural wisdom. And God granted him his request. And because it was a noble request, he granted him riches and wealth and honour and all those other things as well. But when he was a very young man, there was this uh, two women that came to him and they were complaining over this child. One was dead and one was alive. And, and the, the, uh, the mother of the live child was saying, that's my baby. My baby is alive and her baby died. And in the middle of the night, she switched babies. Mine is the live one. Hers is the dead one. And the woman who had the dead child said, no, the live one is mine. And so this young man who's king of Israel, I mean, he's got bigger things to deal with than these two women. And this is what he said. He said, bring a sword and I'll cut the live baby in half. At that moment, you could think the young man has lost his mind. My gosh, he's he's flipped. But at that moment, the real mum says, no, 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 don't do that, great king. Don't do that. I would rather that this woman have the baby. Please don't kill this child. And Solomon says, give the baby to that woman. She's the real mum. Who would like that? That kind of supernatural wisdom to keep two women fighting. Quiet. Who would like that man? I mean, seriously, that would be a gift. I mean, if, if that's on offer, I'm, I'm holy. I, I mean, I'm there. If that's on offer, my hand is up. Gift of wisdom. Word of knowledge, supernatural knowledge, the kind of knowledge that Jesus had when he met that woman at the well in John chapter 4. Jesus says, um, go get your husband. She says, oh, I don't have a husband. He says, that's right. The man you're living with isn't your husband. You've had a few before. He goes, ah. (laughs) Who would like that? That'd be cool. And the amazing thing is she had such a God encounter. She went back to the town and said, you guys, you've got to come and meet this guy. He told me everything about my life. Now, I don't know about you, but if I hear that, I'm not going to that guy. I'm not going, I'm going on. But somehow she compelled and the whole town turned out. Said, man, he, he kind of read my mail. It's an amazing thing. And these are the gifts that are on offer. It saddens me that we've neutered down our Christianity to just coming to church, singing a few songs, going home and being like everybody else. It's not meant to be that way. We have a power on the inside of us that can change our lives change our world and change the world in which God places us. Wouldn't it be great if some of our young year 12s going off to university, wouldn't it be fantastic if they had these gifts in operation? Wouldn't it be fantastic if we had these gifts on Monday morning and we're able to take it to work with us? And it wasn't just all about what happens in church. I believe so much of what we talk about happening in church should happen outside of church because we are the church. And the discerning of spirits. We read about Paul in Acts chapter 16 
when he was confronted by this young woman who kept saying, these are servants of the Most High God, 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 these are servants of the Most High God. And they just, it, it, this went on for days. And, and Paul was so annoyed with this young girl saying, these are the servants of the Most High God, whoa, 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 whoa. these are the servants of the Most High God. I mean, just like, and he just rebukes this spirit. He discerns what this spirit is. This young girl was possessed by a spirit that had the ability to tell the future, which made the owners of this young slave girl lots of money. And now she'd lost that ability because Paul discerned what it was and saw her set free. And this young child of God was set free from demonic oppression. She was happy. Paul was happy. But the owners of the slave girl were not happy. And so they threw Paul and Silas in jail. Just because this girl was no longer capable of making money for their owner. We live in a warped world. But wouldn't it be fantastic to be able to have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to be able to set young girls free in this warped world in which we live, to see young men set free from addictions. Wouldn't it be fantastic if God could use us to see people set free. I don't know about you, but that's what I crave. That, that's, what, that's what I desire. And the last one is the power gifts. And the power gifts are faith, miracles, and healing. And, and faith is that gift that speaks with an absolute conviction of something that is not yet as though it shall be. And we see many, many occasions of that taking place. One of those moments in my life was this building. We used to fellowship up the road in a smaller church building, much smaller, and it was very problematic for us. God blessed us. Our church grew. It was causing problems for the neighbours because of our parking and our volume of music. And the very people in the very community that God had placed us in that we were trying to help and bless ended up hating us. They just hated us being there because we took all their parking spaces. We made too much noise on Sunday morning. And to be honest, if I wasn't a Christian, I would have hated us too, seriously. And so no judgment, no condemnation, but we, we needed some other place and space. And I never forget coming down here. And the person I came down with here is in this room today, Andrew Clift. And we came in here and this place was a mess. It was the kind of place you did not go into by yourself because of squatters and dead bodies and, and getting mugged. You're laughing. Seriously, it was bad. It was horrible. And I remember forget uh, just walking in and, and, and Drew and I were kind of like, you know, are you ready? Kind of got the flashlight. I mean, it was, it was dingy. And honestly, I'm expecting people to run out. I'm expecting dead bodies to be found. And uh, it was horrible. The, the roof on this place was about this low. It, it was just, it was not a very nice place. But I cannot tell you what went off on the inside of me. I really believe at that moment in my life, there was like this gift of faith. And I remember saying to Drew, this is it. This is the place. This is where we're going to worship. This is where the stage is going to be. And what we're going to do here, we're going to have kids here. We're going to do this. We're going to... And there were dead bodies. I was kicking them out the way. <laughs> and it was like this gift of faith. And I made this bold statement, church, this is what we're going to do. And we need to raise some money. And it was fantastic. And without that gift of faith, we wouldn't have got started. Because what God didn't tell me is all the problems that would happen in trying to get this place up to scratch. And I'm so grateful for that gift of faith because if it wasn't for that gift of faith, I wouldn't have said what I said and we wouldn't have put ourselves in the position to be able to do what we did because there were many times I think, oh my gosh, why did I say yes to this? 
But I cannot deny that gift of faith, and that's what faith does. It, 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 it speaks of a future event as if it's now. As if it's now. And when we started our church 23 years ago with a handful of 12, uh, people, 12 to be precise, honestly, in my heart of hearts, I just saw a place that was filled with victorious Christians, not namby-pamby, sad, sorry Christians, but Christians that had a glint in their eye, Christians that had a smile on their face, Christians that had a spring in their step, Christians that could take on the world. Christians that weren't ruled by their soul and added their nice little scriptures to how they were feeling, but Christians that connected with God on a regular basis, Christians that actually fellowship with God and grew their spirit and were able to dictate over the whims of the flesh, of the soul. And that's what I saw. And so to be here tonight, seeing us worshipping together, seeing young men and young women jumping up and down, stinking of BO. I love it. <laughs> seeing my daughter and my son up here just running around and, and you know, by God's grace, not bumping into each other. It's just awesome. I mean, brothers and sisters, they're normally just punching and fighting all the time. But to be on the same stage, worshipping God, I'm telling you, there's something in my spirit that saw that before they were even born. So grateful to God for these gifts that are on offer. And they're not just for me, they're for us who believes. The miracles, miracles make you wonder. Miracles are those things that happen, I just can't explain it. I don't get it. If you get everything about God, that's not God. God just does some things that are just crazy. I mean, seriously, crazy. I'm, I'm over time, aren't I? You just start playing. Just, just start playing. Because I'm going to have to point one. I've got four points. But anyway. Seriously? I feel like doing a Joshua, a miracle, just stop the sun and we just... <laughs> Healing. Think of Paul. Oh, sorry, Job. Peter and John praying for that man. A gate beautiful. It's amazing. This is the same gate that Jesus walked past. And he would have been there because he was there for many, many years. Jesus would have walked past him. And imagine, imagine Jesus saying, your time's going to come. <laughs> I'm going to let Peter and John be part of what I get to be a part of every day of my life. And on this day, they looked at this man and said, we don't have silver or coal, but what we have in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. These are the gifts that are on offer for us. Secondly, not only all gifts from God, but the Bible says that we are to desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. See, this is not an exhaustive teaching about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm not here to argue with you in the ca uh, cafe afterwards about a scripture or a word or a this or that. I'm here to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I'm here to stimulate you to desire something possibly you've never desired or forgotten to desire. But to desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. God wants to transform our lives not just help out a bit. He wants to do for us what he did for the disciples on the day of Pentecost. They were in the upper room, 
locked away for fear of everyone and everything. You ever felt like that? Locking yourself away from everyone and everything. And then the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them. They unlocked those doors. They went downstairs. They faced the people. They were bold and audacious. Peter, under the power of the Holy Spirit, says, Jesus, whom you crucified. I mean, two minutes ago, he's locked away. Now he's accusing them of killing Jesus. Holy Spirit doesn't want a little bit of your life. Help you out just a little incy-bincy bit. He wants to totally, radically transform your life. So no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, you won't give up and you won't give in. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, number three, bring unity and not division. Over and over again, Paul says it's the same Spirit, the same Lord and the same God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, there are different gifts but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God. He works all of them in all men. See, the Trinity is an incredible picture of unity. And these gifts are not to divide. And I think some of the gifts have divided the church. We speak in tongues. That means we're Pentecostal and it means we're better than you. That was never God's intention. I mentioned about speaking in tongues. I thank God for this gift that God has given me to speak in tongues so that when I don't know how to pray, I have this incredible heavenly language. But no condemnation for those of you who don't. But I trust that through my sharing today that there's growing desire. Man, if I could have that gift, I want it. But we don't want to divide the church over those who do and those who don't. To be honest, some of the guys who speak in tongues, I wish they weren't on our side. I mean, they're just weird. I mean, they're just... But the Holy Spirit is not about causing division. I say this all the time. People say, are you a Pentecostal? No, it's too limiting. If my experience of speaking tongues makes me Pentecostal, then it's too limiting. Because I was baptized by full immersion. Does that make me a Baptist? Well, yes, but it's too limiting. I don't know about you, but like Martin Luther, I, I believe in justification by faith. So am I a Lutheran? Well, yes, but it's too limiting. You know what I am? I'm a child of the living God. I'm a child of the living God. And we're all on the same side. We're on the same side. We're on the same side. We have different gifts, but the same God. You know, Beck sung up here beautifully. I don't sing. Does does that make her better than me? Probably. (laughs) No, but we're on the same side. There's things I do, hopefully, that, you know, hold my own. But we've all got gifts. We've all got talents. And I would hate for someone to feel ostracized because they don't do something. God gives out these gifts. It's, it's our desire just to ask Him. It's our responsibility, sorry, just to desire and ask. And so this whole series has been about us stimulating wholesome thinking and not being led by our past, not being led by our thoughts, not being led by our emotions, not being led by our will, not being led by our bodies, but coming before God and saying, God, if there's any truth to what Tony's sharing, I'm open. We have this attitude that my name's Jimmy, I'll take what you give me. Come on, I want what's on offer, Lord. This is my attitude. If this gift of tongues, for example, is on offer to all, and I believe it is, and you say, no, I don't want it. I'm like, that's cool. That's your prerogative. But why? Wow. Really? Imagine me saying, here's a million dollars. It's on offer. No, I don't want it. No. Okay. Okay. 
But what's on offer from the Holy Spirit is far greater than a million dollars. And I just don't want our past prejudice, our misinformed theology and understandings to rob us of just having more. More of God. You know, I'm going to be that guy that prays for healing. We've buried some people that we prayed for healing. But I'm going to keep coming back. Saying, Lord, you said. And I don't know why some things don't work out the way I would like them to work out. But you said, I'm going to keep asking. We've buried some good people in this church over the years. But if you've got a need in your body, we're going to stand with you every day of the week and believe and declare healing in your life. Because you know what? If you don't ask, you don't get. But if you do ask, you might not get all the time, but you will get eventually. And we've seen many, many incredible signs and wonders and miracles take place through this church in dear old Adelaide. You hear some great stories in India. You hear some great stories in Africa. But we've had some great stories here in Adelaide. Why? Because we just keep asking. Never forget burying a young man. I'd only married him. Seven months earlier, he was, a, he was a man who, my first wedding had this man in, my first funeral had the same man in. You know, it's about a young pastor, very green, didn't really know what I was doing, but I did believe that God can raise the dead. And so we asked at the funeral party for everyone to get out of the room, and me and my brother were there and said, well, Lord, you know, you said we can raise the dead. Now, I'm not going to presume you're going to do that, but whether you do it, it's up to you. That's, that's your prerogative. But it's my prerogative to ask. So I'm not going to be guilty, Lord, of not asking. So I'm going to ask and you do what you need to do. If it doesn't happen, it's between you and this. But I'm going to ask. See, faith is not seeing the man raise. Faith is doing my part. And that's the asking. It's God's prerogative is what He wants to do. But we need to be vessels that just put ourselves in the position to ask. And I'll never forget saying, we just went for it. We just kind of got loud and we got vocal. We didn't know what to do because we've never done it before. There's no manual for that. This is how you pray for the dead. And I've got to be honest with you, there was faith stirring in me that he would be raised. But I've got to be really honest with you. If he moved, I would have been freaked out. So I'm in faith, but I'm afraid. I'm in faith. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Jesus raised him from the dead. You were raised on the third day. Raise this man. And I'm doing all that. But if he moves, Lord, I'm going to be freaking out. You know what? We buried that young man. His brother's in our church. His sister-in-law's in our church. We buried him. And we've buried others since then. But I'm not going to stop asking. I'm not going to allow a few setbacks to rob me of my ability to ask. I feel like I feel... I feel like I've said everything tonight for this moment. You've got to get your ask back. I've got to be careful I say that. I did say that right, didn't I? Kind of ask. ASK back. You've got to get your ask back. Seriously. I know I don't do the hokey pokey kind of... I know when God's speaking to me and I know when He's speaking through me and right now He's speaking to me and He's speaking through me. You've got to get your ask back. You've got to get your ask back in shape. There, I said it. Come on, man, get up here. Otherwise, I'll go all night. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, number four, are to build up, not tear down. 
They're to build up. They're not to bring condemnation and they're not to bring confusion. This thus saith the Lord kind of old school stuff, bringing condemnation, that's not God. Yeah. And, and, and alternatively, confusion is not God either. Yeah. Paul actually says to the Corinthians, unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you're saying? Let's not be weird. It must be biblical. It must be intelligent. And I would say it must be normal. Some people do some of the weirdest things in the name of God. And I'm convinced God looks down from heaven at times and says, what on earth are you doing? Put those ribbons away. <laughs> I'm not against ribbons. I just don't prefer... <laughs> No, there's some, there's some, there is some weird stuff that takes place yeah. in church, in church families. In the name of Jesus, some weird stuff that happens. And it's put people at a distance with this third person, this beautiful person of the Holy Spirit. But, but I, I believe that the gifts are from God and they're for others. So if God gives me the gift of healing, it's from God. And it's for others. It's not for me and it's not from me. The glory goes to God and the gift goes to the person. So personally, I would rather keep all the weird stuff out and all the hyper-religious stuff out and be far more practical and far more normal when exercising the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so if I felt I had a word for somebody, I wouldn't say, hey, I feel like the Lord has given me a word for you. Because that's just to draw attention to myself. And the gift is not from me, it's from God. Yeah. I don't want to draw attention to, that, to myself. I want to give the glory to God. Yeah. And the gift that God has given me is for the person. It's not for me. Yeah. It's not for me to big note and showboat. It's for me to help a person. So I'd much rather, if I felt God gave me a word for someone about their marriage, I'd much rather sidle up to someone and ask a question, hey, how you doing? How's things? How's home life? And I can pretty soon get in a conversation. And how did I get in that conversation? Because of the word God gave me. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 